0: I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick.
1: And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints.
2: For many people living in in these countries that have been through these uh, civil wars, the reality of peace is still incredibly difficult. They don't have access to good health care, education for their children. Often in countries like Cambodia, there, there's little infrastructure for them to take goods to the market. So their lives have not substantively improved. But in Cambodia, for example, the lives of politicians have improved immeasurably. They're some of the richest people in the world. So I think that it is fair to say that whilst if you measure peace by the cessation of hostility, You can say that peace has been successful in all of these countries for the moment. But if you measure it by the well-being of ordinary people who live in these countries, in many of these countries, in most of them, you have to say that peace has really let them down.
1: That scary night, photographer and storyteller who has toured countries in a storied career that has taken him to Cambodia, Northern Ireland, Iraq, and others, to chronicle the devastation of war. In a new book entitled Imagine Reflections on Peace, Gary was one of more than a dozen reporters and photojournalists on the behalf of the Seven Foundation who were asked to revisit countries they covered in times of war to capture in pictures and first-person stories the lived experiences of those who came to live in the aftermath of war.
0: The task was to see peace through the prism of their journalistic experience, to survey familiar towns and villages, to reconnect with women, men, soldiers, civilians, statesmen, and students who had survived the conflict or grown up in the post-war society, to discover what the lived experience of peace feels like in the aftermath of such brutal violence. Gary is the editorial director of Imagine. He splits his time between the US and the UK and he is a co-founder of the 7 Photo Agency, which was founded just days before the 9-11 attacks, to use photos to tell important stories addressing complex social, political, and environmental questions facing families everywhere. War has had a deep and lasting impact on Gary, and his reflections on war and peace leave a lot for us to contemplate and imagine.
1: Here's our conversation with Gary Knight.
0: Gary Knight, welcome to World Footprints. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. Very, very great pleasure to be here.
0: Why this book, Imagination, right now, when the world seems so cloaked in fear and divisiveness and hopelessness?
2: That's a terrific question, and I'm really glad you asked it, because I think there is a lot to learn from this book about the situation that we're living through in America, in Europe, in our, in our societies that are not actually at war. Really, really key findings came from this book, and, and such as, for example, the importance of dialogue between communities, the necessity of, of good leadership, committed leadership, recognizing and encouraging the bravery of people in civil society to sit across a table with people with whom they have differences. The process, of course, of truth and reconciliation, admitting your crimes, admitting your differences, being able to forgive, and the role of women and recognizing how critical the role of women is in the process of building, um, you know, peaceful communities and societies post-conflict.
1: Tell us about some of the contributors to Imagine Reflections on Peace.
2: Yes. When, when we put the book together, we it, 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 were a group of photographers and, and the impulse immediately was to, of course, produce something that was visually very heavy. But we very soon realized that photographs alone would be inadequate. And we assembled a group of journalists, principally, to revisit countries that had been at war. And then we realized, well, without the participation and without the voices of local people, the book would have less meaning. So we wanted to find local voices, legitimate local voices, people who had lived through peace to be able to amplify, you know, what living in these countries had been like, what the experience had been like. And we've also assembled Um, If you like experts, people who were involved in peace negotiation, chief justices of criminal tribunals, etc. So you have a multiplicity of voices here from the great and the powerful household names to very, very ordinary people, refugees, people who were victims of crimes, all sorts of people who were involved just in ordinary civic life and and managing to live uh, on a a daily basis in, in countries that have been through incredible trauma.
0: Has true peace been achieved in these places, the places that you've documented?
2: Really great question. And I would say that insofar as war has stopped, yes, peace has been made in these places. But I think with the exception really of Rwanda, Northern Ireland, peace elsewhere is very, very fragile. And moreover, I think it has been anything other than a success because for many people living in in these countries that have been through these uh, civil wars, the reality of peace is still incredibly difficult. They don't have access to good healthcare, education for their children. Often in countries like Cambodia, there, there's little infrastructure for them to take goods to the market. And so their lives have not substantively improved. But in Cambodia, for example, the lives of politicians have improved immeasurably. They're some of the richest people in the world. So I think that it is fair to say that whilst if you measure peace by the cessation of hostility, you can say that peace has been successful in all of these countries for the moment. But if you measure it by the well-being of ordinary people who live in these countries, in many of these countries, in most of them, you have to say that peace has really let them down. You know, they don't have access to economic growth, they don't have access to healthcare, they don't have access to education in many, in many cases. There has been very little justice War crimes tribunals have failed. And so peace, really, I think it's easy to congratulate ourselves for ending war, but we should be congratulating ourselves on the success of the decades that follow.
1: As you reflect about Imagine, are there images or stories that have touched you in a personal way?
2: One of my favorite images in the book is from Rwanda, from my colleague, Jack P. Cohn, Jack photographed Rwanda during the genocide, and I'm sure you're all familiar of the horrific pictures um, of of you know hundreds of people lying dead in churches in, in in Rwanda. And he returned in 2017, and there's a one photograph there of a group of, of of motorcycle taxis. Everybody is wearing a helmet, which they don't even do in the United States. People are laughing, people are smiling, and I think if you had asked me back in 1994, 1995, whether I thought Bosnia in the heart of Europe or Rwanda would have been the most successful country 20 years later, I would have said it would have been Bosnia because of its proximity to the wealth of Europe. But in fact, it has been Rwanda. And if Rwanda can heal and grow after the genocide that took place there, and become a beacon of hope uh, throughout the world, and economically stable. Uh, I think, you know, there is a, there's a lot to look forward to, there's a lot of hope, there's a lot of promise. Uh, so I think for me, Rwanda is the, is the key.
0: So Gary, I, I see our time is uh, coming to a close, but before we end, I want to go into the space where Ian and I live, which is a travel space, and ask, is there any way the travel community can support a sustainable peace in some of these war-torn countries like Cambodia and Colombia, the, the latter of which I have actually traveled to?
2: Mm. I think get engaged in dialogue. You know, for, in a lot of these countries, we can help in practical ways. We can go and, and um, help dig latrines and, and get involved building schools. And that's a, a very nice way to, to, to contribute. But I think also just get involved in a dialogue and be interested because that validates people's experience. And when they know that people outside are interested in what they have to say, and interested in learning from them, it, it's very empowering. You know, we're not all able to dig trenches or give money uh, or build schools, but um, I think getting involved in a conversation, be open-minded and take what you learn back home is really the key. And I think whether one lives in the United States of America or in a European country, I think we actually have an awful lot to learn From communities that have gone through these terrible wars and managed to heal afterwards especially at this moment in time when our own societies are so divided.
0: Indeed thank you so much uh, Gary I appreciate your time and we look forward to having you back on our show.
2: It would be a great pleasure and thank you so much for having me it's been a privilege.
0: Before I even open the pages to this book, Imagine. The first thing I thought about was the John Lennon Imagine Peace Tower dedicated to him in Iceland that we have passed by many, many times, uh, all the times we've been to Iceland. And, you know, I hummed his song, Imagine. And to think that these journalists, these photojournalists have captured these very, very compelling stories about Peace in the Aftermath of Brutality, this is a a very uh, moving book for me.
1: A few things stand out from our conversation uh, as we think about peace and imagine it. I liked what Gary had to say about looking at peace beyond just the cessation of violence, but looking at the living standards that people have after war ends and whether they have access to health care and housing and and all of those things and those things are just as important in ensuring that people continue to live in peace once hostilities end and for me the the thought that i had particularly as we think about peace i thought about south africa and i thought about truth and reconciliation which is a very powerful process that that country went through to heal itself, to kind of bring together black people and white people to chart forth a new and different South Africa, which they could probably only imagine at that time. So, I think there's some power in looking at some of these uh, processes and thinking about them. And I think that's, to me, one of the enduring lessons of this book.
0: Well, and also, I think another lesson is the importance of dialogue and good leadership and the power of negotiation. I mean, these are things that, even in the United States, and really, if you look at some of the social unrest that this country has been experiencing. We've seen it around the world uh, over racial inequality. And what I did love also about our conversation with Gary is that we talked about how the the travel community can support sustainable peace by getting engaged again in dialogue, in building communities, and and as we say kind of ground-truthing, finding your own beliefs and forming your own opinions Opinions about other people and in cultures because as I always say you never go to war with the people you break bread with and so I think it's important to begin breaking bread with people who don't look like you as we close we'd like to leave you with these words we travel not to escape life but for life not to escape us we're Tonya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we are very honored that you chose to take this adventure with us. Thank you for spending this time and allowing us to connect you to the world through the stories we share on World Footprints. This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com. And on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes, and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. And be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.